Hey, welcome everybody to the Bible Believers uh, AD 1611 broadcast. Uh, my name is Brother Mike, and I'm going to be your host uh, for this hour. I uh, just want to take the time to thank everybody for joining me. Um, you know, I, I do realize that there's a thousand other things that you could be doing, um, you know, with your time other than uh, spending it here with me. So I just wanted to, you know, thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining in, especially on this inaugural podcast. Um, I know some of you are aware uh, that this podcast is supposed to be going out live. Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, due to uh, technical issues, just equipment technical issues that I'm having, um, you know, I wasn't able to get it to go live uh, for this um, inaugural podcast. Uh, you know, I you know, and I'm aware that, you know, um, if you just have a laptop, you know, with the camera on it, you can do all those things. You can go live and and, uh, you know, uh, you can stream into Facebook and uh, places like YouTube. Uh, but, um, you know, um, because I have equipment, uh, obviously, uh, that I've purchased that uh, um, that I'm just not used to using. Uh, there's software that goes along with the, that. Them all linked together and talking with each other and, um, you know, uh, and working in harmony, I guess, with each other is is uh you know um because i've never done this before uh it's just uh it's 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 been a you know it's been a chore uh just to say the least uh to try to get all this where it's operating um you know i've i've been i've been messing around and practicing with the different equipment uh for about a week now and um you know thought i had it uh where um it was going to do and did a uh you know like it was supposed to I did a, uh, a practice run on the podcast uh, prior to uh, 7 p.m. last night and um, had an audio issue um, where the audio kept cu cutting uh, in and out. Excuse me. And so anyways, uh, um, I think that, um, you know, I've basically changed out some equipment to a different uh, setup. I think I do have the uh, audio issues sorted out. Um, so, uh, but um, there's still more to sort out before the next, uh, uh, you know, podcast, uh, especially before I go live. And so I'm, you know, ask you guys to uh, uh, please bear with me as I, you know, sort through um, all of this uh, technical stuff because, like I said, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a professional, uh, you know, production uh um you know engineer or anything like that um you know i'm just a, a normal guy that you know god laid upon my heart to do something and i'm trying to follow him and do it to the best of my ability um you know i do have a background and you know uh, uh a bit in computers and electronics and all that kind of stuff um from my time in the air force and and so um you know i'm familiar with it uh but this is a whole different side of things. And, and, and like I said, a lot of this technology is pretty new. Um, you know, even, even to the realm of, of, of people who have been in, uh, you know, doing podcasts and all that kind of stuff, this sort of technology is, is, is fairly new. And, uh, so, um, you know, let me give you a, a little bit of a background into how, uh, this fruition really, um, you know, uh, uh, 
basically, uh, I had the privilege of being in uh, or being a part of a pastoral Bible study. Uh, a group of men uh, who all were pastors of churches uh, got together and they created a Bible study among themselves. And uh, um, personally, I'm not a pastor of a, of a local church or anything like that. But I got invited uh, by one uh, of the pastors that I knew uh, invited me to attend this Bible study. And they had it on a Tuesday of every week, uh, Tuesday morning, we would gather together. And what they would do is, is the week prior, uh, they would give a, uh, a text and a topic uh, that was going to be discussed the following week. And what that allowed uh, everybody that was associated with that Bible home and do your own research. Be Bereans, you know, just like the Bible said. And, uh, you know, and then uh, they would get together and uh, one person would uh, give the study, whoever the, the chosen individual was, uh, they would give the study. And then at the end, it was opened up to questions and comments. And uh, so, you know, uh, you know, I'd be the first to admit there are some things that God may show you that he didn't show me in the text and uh you know and and vice versa and so uh this uh i guess this podcast is really in in a sense that um you know i'm not here uh to uh impress anyone uh been able to accumulate over the last uh 10 plus years you know um what this is about is iron sharpening iron and uh, what I would like to see, and I think what the Lord laid upon my heart to do, is to get, uh, you know, uh, Bible-believing Christians, um, uh, you know, uh, parts of America, even the world, even, because um, that's the great thing about the Internet. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can join in on this uh, podcast. And, um, you know, but to get us together and be able to, you know, interact with one another um, and uh, break bread with one another, so to speak, you know what I mean, and learn from each other. And uh, so, um, you know, I know uh, my dad being one that, you know, we have people who are shut-ins that can't go uh, to church on a regular basis, things like that. And, uh, you know, just would enjoy uh, a little bit of Christian fellowship and, uh, you know, what a, a great way uh, for them to be able to do that is to join um, us here on this podcast and interact. You know, uh, the, you know, I truly uh, my, um, you know, and I believe the intentions that God gave me for this podcast is that, you know, we we would, uh, you know, um, kind of get to know each other a little bit. You know what I mean? And uh uh, and then that way we can uh, encourage one another to do something for the Lord. You know, this is not, again, this is not about one individual, save the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think, you know, he's uh, leading me uh, and gave me the idea for this via that, uh, you know, pastoral Bible study, like I said, that I was a part of. And I just thought, what a wonderful concept, you know, and then, you know, I've, like I said, I had no idea that I was going to start a podcast or even have a website for that matter. Uh, the, the idea about the podcast came later, but God knew what he was doing all along. Um, you know, all this, uh, um, the ability to be able to, to do this kind of stuff, he showed me. And, um, 
you know, it's funny. I was having a conversation with with a uh, um, a buddy one night, and uh, you know, the thought just hit me about this, and I thought, man, what a novel concept, Lord. If I could do that, uh, I'm sure it'd be a blessing to somebody. So, um, and uh, you know, I'd love to just encourage folks uh, to get out there and do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. I do believe we're living in the last days. I think that's apparent. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, if you just look around, I mean, you can, you don't even, you don't even have to watch the news very long to realize, uh, that the, the wickedness in this world is so great, uh, that, you know, I, I, I just believe that, you know, 10 years, um, you know, the Lord would have been gracious in giving us those 10 years because I don't believe there's anything that needs to happen in order for him to call us out of here. And, uh, so anyways, uh, but until that time comes, uh, I encourage you, if you do want to, uh, appear on this show uh, or this podcast, uh, you know, um, to head over to my website, w dot com and subscribe. And the reason why I'm asking you to do that is, is it allows me to capture your information, which I need in order to give you um the permission to appear uh on this show uh or this podcast uh you know um i need that information and so if you um you know i there are people who are already subscribed uh to the website that um you know uh that um that and and know that you know i'm not using your information to spam you every day or anything like that uh, you know what I mean? Um, now you can donate, uh, to the show on the, on the website. Uh, you, you know, you can, you can donate by PayPal or, or whatever the case may be. And you don't have, that. um, if this, you know, God's been good to me and, and, uh, and, you know, I have, uh, you know, he's provided me with the ability and the, and the money to be able to do what I'm doing without, you know, um, support from anybody. Uh, so, um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not asking anybody to do that. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, it is possible for you to donate. And if you, if you do donate, I do appreciate it, uh, but you don't have to, and I'm not asking anything from anybody about that. God has provided, and I, I appreciate him providing, uh, for me the way that he has. So, um, uh, but I need your information, uh, because, what happens is, is when I do go live, when, when this show actually does go live, and if you want to appear with me here on the program, uh, I need your information to be able to send you a link. And in that link, you'd have to follow that link. And then there, um, you know what I mean? When you allow you to be cued in what they call the, you know, the, the background, I can see everybody who's in the queue. You know, it allows me, uh, you know, to, uh, to, uh, you know, what what people are are wanting or what they're wanting to say or whatever, and then you know, I can choose the individual, bring them up, and you know, people will be able to see you. And uh, so, uh, and like I said, you don't have to have any special equipment. Excuse me to do that. Uh, um, you know, if you just have a phone, 
Um, you know, every smartphone has a webcam and a microphone on it. And uh, so if you just have a phone, uh, you'd be able to join me here. You don't have to buy any special equipment, not like I did. You know, and you don't have to have a little fancy microphone like this one right here or a fancy camera like the one that you can't see, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, behind my laptop and all. Uh, you don't have to have any of that. Uh, all you have to do is, uh, uh, you know, have a smartphone with a camera and a microphone and you can join with me here on the program. Um, you know, uh, the great thing is, is that if you want, you know, if you if you just want to ask a question and don't want to appear here, you can send me a question. Um, and uh, I can bring that question up on the screen and people can see it. Um, you know, I can put just say, you know, um, blah, blah, blah. I can put that up there. And so anyways, you don't have to appear, um, you know, if you don't want to uh, on the program. Uh, but I do encourage you to do so. Um, like I said, this is not about me. This is about uh, the edification of the body of Christ. And uh, for us to uh, be armed, uh, to go out, uh, to contend for the faith, and to uh, share the gospel of Jesus Christ with this lost and dying world properly. Um, you know, uh, we're, you know, I believe anyway, we're in the death thralls of the Laodicean age. Um, you know, the, the, the state of the church actually, uh, I believe, you know, proves that beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're entering in to the last phase of these, this Laodicean age that we're in. And, uh, and so, um, that, and that makes, um, the text verse that I, uh, well, the Lord gave me for this, um, even more, uh, relevant, uh, uh, you know, in the time that, in which we live, um, you know, uh, uh, for many of you who are not already on the email list, uh, you probably, um, the, the, uh, the text verse is out of Jeremiah chapter 25, and, uh, and uh, uh, the verse is verse 10. Um, and, you know, we all know that uh, uh, Jeremiah's um, message to uh, Judah, uh, Israel's um, uh, southern kingdom, is uh, not a flattering one, not at all. And so he is pronouncing a few things and he's saying a few things. And, um, you know, I, I think it's very, um, you know, first of all, let's go ahead and read that uh, text verse. And then we're going to uh, get in to the meat of, um, you know, this message um, for this podcast. And so anyways, if you'll turn into your Bible to uh, Jeremiah, and like I said, if you're part of the email, list uh, you would have gotten an email telling you what the text verse was and and the topic which is uh, does the church still have a voice that's the topic of this particular podcast and so uh, in jeremiah chapter 25 and verse 10 we read moreover i will take from them the voice of myrrh and the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom the voice of the bride the sound of the millstones and the light of the candle um you know, as I already previously mentioned, you know, uh, Jeremiah's message to Israel, southern kingdom Judah, is not a flattering one. Um, it's a it's a message of condemnation, uh, you know, uh, to Israel, Judah's southern kingdom, or Judah, Israel's southern kingdom. And so, anyways, you know, we realize that, uh, you know, uh, history repeats itself. I, I believe it, you know, Dr. Ruckman used to say all the time, 
uh, that the one thing he learned from history is that men never learn from history. And, uh, you know, um, you know, I don't know if I've ever heard really a truer statement than that, uh, because the truth is that if you read history at all or are, you know, familiar with history, you realize men don't learn from history. Uh, we are. Uh, uh, but I believe that's part of our fallen nature. I believe that uh, fallen man is constantly making the same mistakes because it even though. How do I want to put this, you know, even though technology is advancing and society itself seems to be advancing, human nature never changes. The, the, the nature in man is the same as it's always been since the fall. And so, uh, you know, when we look at history, you know, when we read and look down through the annals of, of time and history and recorded history, we, we realize that man continues to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And that's why I, I believe Paul uh, warns us. Uh, I think it's in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. That whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Um, so we realize that, you know, whatsoever things were written aforetime, right here in the book of Jeremiah, that what happened then is going to happen again. And so, uh, although, um, you know, and I want to be emphatically clear about this Israel is not the church, and the church is not Israel. They are two completely separate entities in the Bible. And so, um, but we can learn from the things that happen to Israel uh, because God deals with people. Uh, now, I know there's differences in dispensations, but God deals with nations the same way. Uh, God deals spiritually with people in virtually the same way. Now, there are nuances to every dispensation. We know that. Um, but... Um, but in every dispensation, God requires faith. Uh, now, the object of that faith might be a little bit different, uh, depending on the dispensation that you're in. And thank God, you know, uh, as bad as things are out there, that we are in the dispensation of the grace of God. And I'm thankful for that. You know what I mean? That uh, that I don't have to do anything else uh, but put my you know faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for me on Calvary. And that the moment that I do that, I get birthed into the family of God. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. And uh, not even I myself can take myself out of his hand. So I'm sealed to the day of redemption. Uh, and everybody that is born into the family of God uh, by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on cross Calvary uh, in this dispensation is sealed. And, and you cannot be taken out of God's hand. So... So uh, basically, there are different nuances, but the premises remain the same. And so and that's why Paul said whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. And, um, you know, I believe someone uh, said it this way one time. Um, you know, everything in the Bible is for us, but not everything is to us, but we can learn. And so, we're, um, you know, in this portion of scripture here that God gave me, we can learn from the things that happen to Judah, Israel's southern kingdom, and we can apply them uh, to us today in the fact that we don't want to make the same mistakes. Uh, but as I said earlier, and as Dr. Ruckman used to say all the time, and that is 
the one thing he's learned from history is men never learn from history. And so the church is going down the exact same road. What happened to them is happening to the church today. The very same thing. And uh, when God, like I said, when God gave me this message, uh, you know, a little over five years ago now, you know, uh, that was the one thing that I noticed was the similitudes that were happening. Uh, the things that were happening to Judah are happening here now to us. And God's pronouncement against them, like I said, which is the reason why I believe that it is, uh, you know, almost uh, given verbatim in the in the in in Revelation chapter 18. This verse is, is given almost verbatim in the book of Revelation is because God is telling us that, uh, you know, what I did to them, I'm going to do to you. You don't heed the warnings that are written in this book. If you don't understand that, uh, you know, what it talked about, uh, you know, back in the uh, Old Testament, how he had told them, you know, uh, remove not. You know what I mean? Uh, the guidestones, don't remove those things. You know, they're put there for a reason. Uh, and so that, uh, you know, generation after generation after generation would realize that uh, what God did for them and uh, could also learn from, uh, you know, God's chastising hand upon his people and what they did wrong. And that is exactly what's happening here. God said that he was going to take some things from them. And that, I think that is very important to realize here that it is God that's doing the taking. It's God's judgment. And that is exactly what's happening to the church at large right now. Now, I do know that and, I, and I'm thankful that there is a remnant. You know, as, as God said to Isaiah, you know, there are 7,000 that have not and I'm thankful for that. I am so thankful that even now, God has a remnant in the church. There are 7,000 that have, you know, have not bowed their knee to Baal. And, you know, uh, I'll even admit, you know, there, there have been times in my own life where, you know, um, I've gotten so frustrated, you know, at uh, the state of the church. And, uh, you know, that, you know, I, I, I've even said to God, you know, in prayer, Lord, you know, uh, Am I the only one left? You know, and God always reminds me, no, Mike, you're not the only one. There are others out there who believe the same things that you believe. I There are 7,000 that I have reserved to me that have not bowed their knee to bail. And so there are others out there who, uh, who are not going apostate. There are churches out there, thank God for them, that uh, are doing uh, what they're supposed to be doing. Excuse me. And the two main things that, that uh, you know, I believe that a church ought to be doing, and I believe the scripture bears this out, is uh, one, Paul tells Timothy in, uh, you know, that uh, he tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. Make your calling and election sure. Now, he says that to a pastor of a local church. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, I know that, you know, the vast majority of Know, uh, and the men that are coming out of PBI and that are starting churches are doing exactly uh, what I'm saying. It, that's being taught to them, but that's not being taught 
in a lot of other churches and you have a lot of other churches out there like i say if you if you've just visited around uh any churches in um you know in the last five ten years you know if you've gotten out and gone to visit some of these churches you know used to be you could go on vacation down in texas down florida wherever it is you go and you could pretty much stop in any independent baptist church and you uh you know you could rest pretty much assured that you know you're going to hear some good bible preaching you're going to get some you know good bible teaching uh but that's not the case today um there are are people who uh there are churches who wear the title uh who have uh who are uh so far removed uh from that which um you know um uh, um you know that which the independent baptist movement started from uh and and they have nothing whatsoever to do uh you know they they have that you know and the foundations are being destroyed and that's when the bible talks about that the bible talks about you know if the foundations be destroyed where will uh where with the uh, will stand and so we we realize that day by day hour by hour and i believe it's calculated uh you know i believe that uh you know these pastors and preachers and things like that that are taking uh, charge of these churches these people who are being put in place they're not the real deal and uh you know i had a conversation you know with my sister uh not too long ago and um you know and i told her i said you know i told my sister i said i'm tired of apologizing you know for taking a stand i'm tired of apologizing for uh you know uh wanting to live by the book it you know it's not my fault that uh you know uh People are disregarding God's counsel. It, that, that's not my fault. You know, that's, you know, but I'm tired of apologizing for taking a stand. And I'm tired of people criticizing me for wanting to take a stand. You know, it takes a man and it takes men to stand up and proclaim the truth and to stand upon that truth. You know, in every age, it doesn't matter what it is, in every age, God's men have always been in the minority. In pretty much every age, the only the only part that I can think of that may be different is, uh, you know, during the time of the Philadelphia Church and the Philadelphian Church, you know, they uh, God gave them an open door. Uh, but, you know, that was an exception. That's not the rule. The rule is if you read the Bible and you, and you go back and you look at. Uh, all the way from the Old Testament, all the way down to the New Testament. I mean, if you realize that Jesus spent three and a half years on this earth doing, you know, miracles and and raising people from the dead. And, you know, matter of fact, I think it was Luke who said that, you know, if if we were to write everything that he did, the world could not contain the books. So he spent three and a half years on this earth and, you know, as far as I'm aware, uh, when he left, he left with only 120 disciples. So God himself came to this earth and was rejected by the vast majority of the people who uh, who live in this. He was rejected by his own people. So uh People who aren't, you know, you want to talk about courage. You want to talk about being a, a man of God. You want to talk about, uh, 
you know, being somebody that stands for truth, it takes courage to do that. You know, it doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't take courage to stand uh, behind a pulpit in a room uh, with people who believe what you believe and tell them things that you know that they want to hear. That's not courage. Courage is standing up in front of those people and telling them the things they don't want to hear. And that's what's missing. See, that's what's missing in the average church today. Um, you know, we know that if you look at, uh, uh, you read through the book of Jeremiah. Matter of fact, and we're going to get into some of those uh, text verses. But, uh, uh, you know, God doesn't, God God didn't hold the nation of Israel accountable for what was happening to them. And a matter of fact, I think we're going to go ahead and turn over there right now. So if you will uh, turn over in your Bible to uh, Jeremiah chapter 23. In Jeremiah chapter 23, you know what I mean? Uh, I think it's very telling uh, what, um, you know, what God says here. Uh, let's see here. So in Jeremiah chapter 23, it says, Woe be under the pastures that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. So what God is doing is God is pointing out who is at fault here. God said, what is happening to Judah, Israel's southern kingdom, and I believe what is happening right now in uh, the independent Baptist church and in the churches all over uh, America and in the world is uh, that what we have taking the pulpits are people who shouldn't be behind the pulpit. I don't believe they're called of God. I don't believe the vast majority of them are God called preachers. Um, you know, I was speaking to a, uh, a brother that I respect very well. And, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, I, I don't think he actually meant what he said, how he said it. Uh, but, uh, but it's true, uh, you know, and what he said was, um, you know, um, this guy is a missionary and, you know, we, 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 we met each other and he didn't know I was a preacher. And so, um, but when he found out, you know what I mean, that I was a preacher and, and, and uh, he said to me, you know, uh, preaching is a good vocation, you know, and, and I didn't say anything to him, but I thought to myself, I thought, brother, Preaching ain't a vocation. It's a passion. And that's the difference. See, the reason why the average pastor will not stand up in front of a congregation and condemn the sin that's going on in the congregation is because they care more about the money going into the offering plate than they do a, uh, about, you know, uh, sounding forth the word of, of God. The reason why the nation of Israel had gone into gross, uh, had you know, had gone into gross idolatry and had walked away from the living and the true God is because the preachers themselves, the pastors, the prophets that God had put, uh, you know, that um, or that were there, were not speaking the words uh, of the one true God. It says, "Woe be unto those men." God is pronouncing a woe on them. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, 
against the pastors that feed my people. You have scattered my flock. God is not blaming the people for what is happening to them. Now, God's going to judge them because you ought to have discernment. Just like I ought to have discernment in what's going on. You know, the church that you're in right now, if they're not doing the things that they're supposed to be doing, if, if it, they're not, if your pastor is not doing the work of an evangelist, uh, you know what I mean? If you have people who are in uh, positions of authority in that church who are not qualified biblically to be in those positions, you need to get out of that church. You need to go to a place because God is pronouncing a woe. The people who are, are in authority ought to be the premier example in a church. You know, I, I was invited to go uh, to an ordination of a brother that I didn't really know all that well. Uh, you know, but I've had uh, the opportunity to, to meet and, uh, you know, I, I had the opportunity to uh, uh, observe a little bit about this individual. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, being a business owner. Nothing wrong with all that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, you as a Christian and being successful in business. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But God requires of a steward. It says, moreover, that a man be found faithful. And God is not talking about uh, faithfulness is not just merely showing up to church three times a week. You ought to be an example to the flock. You know, when was the last time somebody in a position of authority in your church, uh, you know, came and said, hey, you know, we're going to have all night prayer on a Friday night. And then on Saturday, we're going to go out, you know, and we're going to blanket the city with gospel tracts. That's the example. Those are faithful men. Those were the type of men that were put in positions of authority in the book of Acts. Choose you out men, full of the Holy Ghost. And that's not what we're seeing today in the average church. And so because the, the, the people in positions of authority are not the premier example, then we have what God is, is talking about here. He says... Uh, Woe be unto the pastors. And why? He says, because ye have scattered my flock and driven them away. And they have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doing, saith the Lord. So God is holding them accountable for what's happening. And it's exactly what is happening right now in, uh, in you know, in the independent baptism. It's dying, people. And if you can't see that, you're blind. I mean, how many great institutions, you know, one of them in particular I can think of because there were a lot of great men of God came out of that place is Tennessee Temple. That place is not even open anymore. And a lot of great men of God came out of that seminary, that Bible college. And they went back to the Southern Baptist Convention and then closed the doors completely. So, you know, 
That's what's going on. That's where we're at. You want to talk about, you know, the Bible talks about that, uh, you know, talks about the, uh, the falling away. What about the falling away that's happening right now uh, in the positions of authority in the local church? You know, what about that? What about the falling away that's happening right now in the churches that many of you attend? And you know that you see what I'm talking about. You're not blind. But you have people who are being put into positions of authority who don't uh, meet the qualifications. And if they don't meet the qualifications, don't get mad at me for pointing it out. You know, one of the qualifications the Bible talks about uh, for a a, uh, uh, a deacon and a bishop is that their children should be under subjection. That brother that they were ordaining into the ministry, uh, his children were unruly. They were undisciplined. They were walk. They would walk around in the church. I'm I'm talking about coming into a church service. The children would. While a Sunday school lesson, the adult Sunday school lesson, uh, was going on, and screaming and yelling at the top of their, not being disciplined. I mean, what's the, you know, what's the use of taking the kid out of the auditorium? into another room when you can hear the kids screaming from the other room. I mean, like I said, I'm not trying to be ugly here to anybody, but I'm telling you folks, this book, this book is the final authority. You know, I've, I've said this many times to other people that the litmus test for any man's theology is this book. It is. This King James Bible. Uh, not the manuscripts. Uh, that it was taken from. This book. Is purified text for the last days. I believe that. It's God's word. Even the chapter and verse references in here. Uh, like I said. you know, I don't want to get off down in a rabbit hole. But if you study Bible numerics at all. These chapter and verse references don't appear in the original autographs or any copies. And through Bible numerics, they are proving that even the chapter and verse references were ordained of God. So this book right here is the final authority. And so don't get mad at me because I'm pointing it out. See, that's the reason why we're in the state that we're in is because there are no, no people who will stand up. I know I'm not the only one seeing it. If I'm seeing it in the places that I've visited and the churches that I've been in, then you're seeing it in the churches that you visited. And you're seeing it in the churches that you've been in. Look, loving people is not allowing them to continue in their sin. That's not love. Loving somebody, if you love somebody, like if you love your children, 
you're going to point out the wrong. And that's exactly what Jesus did when he was here on this earth. That's the reason why they hated him so much. Because his life and his message was a living testimony against their hypocrisy. And that's what we have going on right now in the church of God. We have men of God, not, I'm sorry, we have men who are in a positions of authority right now in the church who I believe are not called of God. They are viewing the ministry as a vocation. They're hirelings. They're the ones that uh, are spoken over there in, uh, I believe it's Second Peter, where it talks about they make merchandise of you. Those are false prophets. If a man is viewing the ministry as a vocation, he is not God called. You know, I find it very strange that all of the prophets, all of the apostles, Jesus himself, I have not where to lay my head. And yet we have people in the ministry riding around in $200,000 motorhomes and everything else. I mean, brother, if that ain't making merchandise of the people of God, I don't know what is. Because listen to me, if God blesses you financially, thank God for it. But he's not blessing you financially so that you may consume it upon your own lust. He's blessing you so that he can further the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we can't enjoy. But we've gone far beyond that. We've gone far beyond that. And like I said, if I'm seeing it, I know there's some of you out there who. Uh, I believe it was Vance Havner here. I'm going to pull it up real quick. This is what he said. A watchdog that will not bark is not worth having. A preacher who will not warn men of sin is a traitor in the camp. How about that? He's a traitor. He's not the real thing. He cares more about the money that's being put in the plate than he does correcting that which is wrong in the body of Christ. See, God can't fill the church with Isaacs because it's filled with Ishmael. You know, the average church that you walk in today, there are no mighty men. The very reason why the average con congregation cannot contend for the faith is because there are no mighty men. There are no people in that church that will stand up for the truth. Listen to me, if you have a preacher, so-called, or a pastor, so-called, who is not preaching against sin, he's a traitor. 
He's a hireling. Listen to what it says. He that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose sheep are uh, whose own the sheep are not seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. He's a hireling. He's in it for the money. And that's what's going on right now. That, that is what's going on in the church of God uh, all over America. That's what's destroying the independent Baptist movement is the fact that the people are allowing these men to take positions that they are not qualified to take. There's a reason why God put the standards in the Bible that he put. You know, I was actually in a church not too long ago where the pastor, this is a pastor of a local church who got up, who didn't have a, uh, you know, they, they had no kind of visitation program. They weren't doing any of that. You know what I mean? And this guy actually got up, this pastor got up and said, I guess somebody brought it up to him. And then says from behind the pulpit, if you want to start a visitation program, start one. Now, hold on and wait a minute for a second. I don't know if you guys are understanding exactly what just happened when he said that. Now, I spent 11 years, five months, and three days in the Air Force. The last four or five years of, I think, yeah, I'd say about right around five years of that time, I had enough rank on me where I got put in the position of authority. And I ran my own shift. And, you know, every day I would come onto the shift and I would meet with the supervisor of the previous shift and we would go over the things that were needing to be done. And he would tell me, okay, uh, Sergeant Burton, this is what we've got to, you know, this is what we did. Uh, this is what still needs to be done. And, uh, you know, uh, this, 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 and this. If your guys can get this, this, and this, and this, then we can do such and such and such and such and such and such. Uh, so, Basically, if when my shift ended and I didn't get done what we were supposed to get done, if I didn't ensure what was supposed to be done got done on my shift, I couldn't point to anybody else. Why? Because none of those people were privy to the conversation that happened. They weren't given the task. I was given the task. And if you're a pastor of a local church, Paul tells Timothy, the pastor of a local church, do the work of an evangelist, make your calling and election sure. And for a pastor of a local church to stand up and say, from the pulpit, if you want a visitation program, start one. I mean, I don't know about you, but that blows my mind. You know, I was actually, I was like, are you kidding me that you would actually listen to me? Uh, I could have sat at my desk and I could have told those, my men, when they came on, see, I could, how we do it is you come on shift, you have roll call, right? And that roll call, you assign duties. 
right? So I could have done exactly that. I had the position and I had the authority to do it. I had the strikes on my sleeve, you know what I mean, uh, that backed it up. And because I had the stripes, that means I had the backing of, of those who are, are, are above me. Right? So if I'm speaking, it's like the colonel speaking. And so I could have told those men, when I, this is what we have to do. All right, go do it. If y'all need me, I'm going to be in my office drinking coffee and playing on the computer. I didn't have to be out there with them. True leadership. True leadership. Is by example. It's by example. Uh, Robert Murray, Mc, uh, I don't know how you pronounce it, McShane, McCainy, however you want to pronounce that. But this is what he said. Study universal holiness of life. He's talking to preachers. Your whole usefulness depends on this. For your sermons preach but an hour or two. Your life preaches all the week. So a pastor who is not out visiting, a pastor who is not out in the streets preaching and compelling people to come in, you're setting an example for those who are under you. If you're not placing a priority on that by your actions, your words don't mean anything if, you're, if your actions don't back it up. If you're not setting the example for your people, then you're to blame. I mean, to have the gall to actually get in a pulpit and say to the people, somebody had to have brought it up. You know, he didn't get behind the pulpit and say that uh, of his own volition. Somebody brought it up and it, and it angered him. He got mad at it. He got mad at the fact that somebody brought up that there was no visitation program at the church. And then uh, the reprobate has the gall to stand up behind the pulpit and admonish the people in, in the congregation because they don't have a visitation program. I'm sorry, buddy, but that is your responsibility. You're the one who's in authority, and it's you who are supposed to be leading by example. Your life, he says, preaches all the week. Your actions speak louder than words. And you can go back and look. All of the great generals that America has had during World War II, World War I, Patton, MacArthur and all those men, they led their men into battle. They didn't sit behind the lines where it was all safe and send their men out there and sacrifice their men. They went with them. David went with his men. David was a man of action. See, he was the one that went out there on the front line and said, what are y'all doing? You're going to let this uncircumcised Philistine blaspheme the armies of the living God? Because, and that's why God 
exalted him to a place of authority. God put him in the place of authority because he was leading by example. And that's why God says right here in Jeremiah chapter 23 that it's he's holding the pastors and the preachers accountable for what's happening. And that's exactly what's happening right now. You have people in positions of authority that don't deserve to be there. They don't meet the requirements. There are requirements for a reason. And God put them in place to protect his people. They have to be the premier example in the church. They have to lead by examples. You know, I was visiting a church who, uh, you know, the pastor was talking about. They had a, gotten a new uh, song leader and a piano player. They were married. And, uh, you know, he was he was all happy, you know. Oh, you know, I just praise the Lord. I've been praying for God, you know, to send us somebody who could lead the song leading and, uh, you know, somebody who knew how to play the piano and all this kind of stuff, you know. So I praise the Lord. And so anyways, uh, I get invited, you know, to have a to come, uh, you know, fellowship with with them on a Friday night where they had a little Bible study. It was being held in these people's home. And I go there. And during the Bible study. The piano player admits that she drinks wine. And then the pastor reveals to me that this same couple told them, told him uh, that they had bottles of liquor, a lot of them, in their kitchen that they had covered up with potato chip bags to hide them. Now, brother, if you are hiding something because you're ashamed of it, then you know it's wrong. And for a pastor to know that he has two people in positions of authority in that church. Now, whether they are the authority, like telling people, but what I'm saying is they're in, they're being looked at by the rest of the congregation. And to know that you have people who is one gets up, a song leader stands behind the pulpit that are openly living in gross sin. That's wrong. They should not be there. Then he admits to me uh, after that that these people had only recently gotten saved. A couple of weeks ago, I think it was, maybe a month. And I thought to myself, you know, what, what does it say in the Bible? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride. You know, I had a, I had a, uh, a pastor say one time, a preacher friend, I can't believe, I can't remember what it was now, but he told me, he said, man, if a person, when a person gets saved, they ought to sit down and shut up in the church for at least two years. Now, I'm not saying that that's the way it needs to be for every person. People, some people grow at different rates. We're all growing in grace. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be uh, unkind and I'm not, you know, oh, you know, and and and, and that's the mark right there. That's, that's what they want to say. Oh, you see, you're just being legalistic. No, everything I'm pointing out, brother, is coming out the New Testament. Everything that I, I just quoted, uh, talking about the qualifications for a, uh, a elder or a deacon and a bishop, that's New Testament. 
That's not being legalistic. That's living by the word of God. That's letting this be the final authority. When you, when you leave this book and you start doing things that you want to do, when you start making compromises, when you start making concessions, you're no, this is no longer the authority. You're the authority. So if you go on and you, and you keep reading, like I say, Jeremiah chapter 23, hey, that is not a flattering uh, chapter at all. But listen to what it says. He says in verse 10, for the land is full of adulterers. Remind you of uh, the day we living in? For because of the uh, because of, of swearing, the land mourneth, the pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up, and their course is evil, and their force is not right. For both prophet and priest are profane, yea, in my house have I found their wickedness. Everything that I talked about is exactly what the Lord's pointing out right here. In my house, in my house, have I found their wickedness. Why? Because there are people being exalted to the positions of authority. They're being uh, ordained into the ministry that are not qualified to be in the ministry. And like I said, you know, uh, if I see it, you see it. And if you haven't seen it, then you have no discernment. You know, I think it was uh, Charles Spurgeon who said, discernment is not the ability to tell right from wrong. He said discernment is being able to tell the difference between right and almost right. And that is one of the biggest problems that we're having right now is that people who claim to be Bible believers, people who claim to be uh, uh, um, learned in the scriptures are so ignorant of them that the people who are in authority are getting away with murder. And they're not being held accountable for it. Notice what it says, though, here. Let's keep going. Chapter 13, and I have seen folly in the prophets of Samaria. They have prophesied in Baal. Notice that it says that the folly is in them. And what folly is that? The, fo the folly that they're prophesying about. Baal. They're unconverted people. That's why they look at uh, the office. That's why they look at the at you know, at uh, pastoring and, and preaching as a vocation. And that's exactly what it talks about in Second Peter, about them making merchandise of you. A false prophet is making merchandise of you. 
And like I say, people want to get mad at me because I'm the one that points it out. But it's written right here in the word of God. Any Christian can figure this stuff out. Dr. Ruckman used to say all the time, you know, that he's amazed at the fact that reading the Bible, how reading the Bible can shed light on a seminary education. See, these men are going to seminary and they're learning how to be pastors and preachers. And I have nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, I find no fault in that. Matter of fact, we're supposed to commit thou the word unto faithful men. But the, there's the key. You're supposed to commit it to faithful men. And the faithfulness that God is talking about, you can find over there in the book of Acts. Where he talks about Stephen and the rest of them. Those were faithful men, full of the Holy Ghost. They were doing the work of an evangelist. But you've got men who are merely just scholars. I mean, don't get me wrong. Dr. Ruckman was, you know, one of the greatest biblical scholars that I know. I mean, God really blessed that man intellectually. But it's gotten to the point in the church of God where we're worshiping uh, men for their intellectual prowess. And they don't meet the qualifications to be a pastor. They don't meet the qualifications to be a deacon. And they're being put into these positions of authority because we, we, we are so enamored by the fact that they can go into the scriptures and pull out something that we've never heard before. And so we overlook the things that God tells us specifically to be looking for. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't be a preacher. It just means they're not supposed to be in positions of authority. Because notice, he doesn't say that the same uh, qualifications are for an evangelist. He says for elders and deacons and bishops in the church, these people are in the position of authority because they're supposed to be the ones that we can look to to be the premier example. Every pastor, in my opinion, ought to be an Apostle Paul. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, he's supposed to be going around the world, you know what I mean? Uh, he be, he's not being called. But what I'm saying is, is that the Apostle Paul's life, Paul said, look to me, I'm the example. Follow me as I follow God. You know what I mean? Follow me. And that's not what these people are doing. The folly is in them. These people are unconverted. They prophesy in Baal. They speak that which they know naturally is brute beast. I think that's Jude. Think of what it's saying right there. They speak what they know naturally. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. They're an unconverted people. And God is pointing that out right here.
going down to verse 16, he says, Thus saith the Lord of the prophet that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. They say still unto them that despise me. The Lord hath said, ye shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination, listen to what he's saying, after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. They're walking after the imagination of their own heart. Now think of another place that God said that. And he destroyed the entire generation except for Noah, the eighth man. And his family. These people are unconverted people. You know, over there back in, uh, I think it's in the book of Samuel where it's talking about, uh, you know, the nation of Israel. They had, uh, um, uh, I think it's Sennacherib or whoever. Uh, but anyways, they removed Israel out of the land. And then they sent people into the land. See, that's the way they used to do it back in the old days. You know, back in the old days of the Roman Empire and all that. What they would do is they would come in and conquer land. They would take all the men of war. All the men, you know, just say from 18 to 35 or whatever, all the men capable of going to war. And they would remove them out of the land. They would only leave by leave women and children, and then they would bring in people from another place that they conquered. So if they, you know, just say uh, the people, they conquered Palestine, they'd take those people and they'd move them over there. Uh, you know, to Israel, and then they take the people of Israel and they move them over there to Palestine. And the reason why they did that is, is because you won't fight for something that you don't own. But what did it say about them? It said that God began to vex those people. And then what did they do? They complained. And so then what did Sennacherib do? He sent, he sent priests among them to show them the manner of the God of the land. And that is exactly what's happening right now in the independent fundamental Baptist or independent Baptist movement, uh, you know, is that we've got counterfeits being sewn in. And these are people that have to be taught the manner of the God of the land. The Bible says about the believer that you have no need that any man teach you. Why? Because the spirit of God indwells you. It's him that will lead you and guide you into all truth. But these people are having to be taught the manner of the God of the land. They're not the real McCoy. They're counterfeits. They're imposters that have been sewn in. Think about that. Talking about the seed. And then the tares being sown. And then what does he say? Don't pluck up the tares. Lest you destroy the wheat. That's going to happen in the end. Think about what God is saying. He gave an example of that in the Old Testament. Still. 
And that's what's happening in the church at large right now. The church at large is filled with unsaved people. There are people that have to be taught the manner of the God of the land. They don't know him. And more importantly, he doesn't know them. And that's why I believe that most people don't have any discernment when it comes to the people who they're putting in positions of authority. I mean, look else what it says. It says, I've also seen in verse 14 in the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. They walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all, um, they are all of them unto me as Sodom and in the inhabitants of, uh, thereof as Gomorrah. But again, God, who is God speaking to? God is speaking to the position, the people in the positions of authority. And he goes on to say that I did not send them. He didn't send them. These are the people that look at uh, the positions of pastor and preacher and evangelist. They're looking at them as a vocation. And it's the reason why they won't preach against anything. He says in verse 25, they prophesy lies in my name. He said, but I didn't send them. He didn't send them. And that's exactly what is happening today. And that is the reason why when you look at that verse, uh, Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 10, God said, there's some things I'm going to take from you. I'm going to take them from you. And that's exactly what's happening in the church right now. And the sad thing is, is that there are people of God in these churches. And I, and I, and, and, and like I said, and I was one of them for 10 years. And that's what I told, uh, I had a conversation uh, with my sister and I told her, I said, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to be content to sit in one of these churches where God is clearly pointing things out. And I'm not going to be content to sit in one of them. I wasted 10 years of my life sitting in a church that I should not have been in. Because I'll be honest with you, at that time, I didn't have the guts to stand up and say something about it. I didn't have the guts to take the stand that needs to be taken. Listen to me. If you are saved, if you're born again, if God is showing you these things, he's wanting you to take a stand for him. There's a reason why he says, come out from among them and be ye separate. 
touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. See, the, the problem is, the Bible talks about, he says, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And that's where it's really at. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. That's what I didn't want. Five years ago, when God gave me this message, I didn't preach it. I didn't preach it. And you know why I didn't preach it? Because I didn't want to suffer the persecution that I knew was going to come if I preached it. I didn't want to take the flack. But the Bible says all who will live godly and uh, in Christ Jesus shall suffer. So don't kid yourself. If you're not suffering persecution, you're not living godly. I don't care what you think. It's not enough that you're separated. It's not enough that you adorn yourself with modest apparel. It doesn't matter that you look the part if you don't act it. Remember, that's what Robert Murray McKinney said. He said, your life preaches all the week long. Your words but an hour or two. It's not enough to talk the talk. You've got to walk the walk. And that's exactly what God's saying. That's exactly the message that nearly every church in the book of Revelation, save one, is repent. And that is the message of God for the church for this hour. I believe that with my whole heart. He's saying to the church, repent, or I'm going to do some things. And we already see it happening. In Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 10, he says, moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth. Listen to me. If you've been to any churches, in any independent Baptist churches, there is a small, small remnant of them that have an abundance of young people in it. I remember when I was young, you know what I mean? I was unsaved at that time, but... I remember when I was young and we used to go, you know, my, you know, my parents and that, you know, they would go to meetings here and there. And, and, but the one thing that I remember is the abundance of young people. And he says, I'm going to take that from you. I'm going to take from them the voice of mirth. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take the voice of gladness from them. I'm going to take it from them. These things I'm going to do, these are these are judgments of God upon the church. I'm going to take that. Why is it that the majority of the uh, independent Baptist churches that you walk into today are filled with old people? There are no young people. Like I said, I went down to uh, PBI uh, maybe a couple of months ago now. And, uh, and, and like I said, you know, I hadn't been there in a really long time. And I know that uh, Dr. Ruckman has gone on to be with the Lord. And, uh, you know, but I went in there and I, you know, decided to go down there. And I, I I stayed for the morning Sunday school. 
And then I stayed for the, uh, the, the morning service. And, man, I was blessed in my heart. I went down there, man, it's filled with young folk. Filled with them. Why? Because God's sending Davids to those kinds of places. God doesn't send Davids to die on the vine or on the pew. He sends them down to places where they're, they're contending. He sent David to the heat of the battle. And if you're in a church that's filled with old people and there are no young people, I don't care what you say, it's dying unless it's a brand new work. But if that work has been there for a while and that place is not being filled, if God's not sending in David's, then it's dead or dying. Because anything that has life in it has vibrance to it. And those are young people. You know, you can go out to any, like I said, you don't even have to be on the pray, playground. You can just be an earshot of a playground. And what do you hear? Generally, when there's a bunch of young children out there, the voice of what? Mirth, the voice of gladness. You hear it. And you go into the average independent Baptist church today and it's filled with old people with one foot in the grave. And I'm not I'm not trying to be disrespectful to our old saints. Thank God for them. But somewhere along the line, someone's dropped the ball. And we've got covetous preachers adorning the pulpits all across America. We've got uh, people who we call evangelists and missionaries. Uh, who are making merchandise of people. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. When is the last time you heard any preacher preach from the pulpit that which I'm preaching right now on covetousness? And the reason why you don't hear very many people preaching on it is because people won't preach against the sins they're committing. It's going to draw attention to them. You, you can't preach that a false apostle, a false prophet will make merchandise of the people when that's exactly what you're doing. And that's the reason why they won't preach on that. When's the last time you heard a pastor or uh, a missionary or um, uh, an evangelist preach against gluttony. But the Bible clearly tells us not to keep company with riotous eaters of flesh, not to keep company with them. But you don't hear them preach on that. Why? Just look at them. And you can tell why. You know, and then we wonder why we've had to, you know, churches have begun turning uh, salvation into some formula. If I can just get the person to pray this prayer, then I can just go back and brag and tell everybody about how many people I led to the Lord.
The church is losing its power. God is taking things away from us. He's taking away those things. When was the last time in the church that you're in that you celebrated folks getting saved? And truly saved. I ain't talking about somebody coming in there and talking about, well, we had 10 get saved down at the mission. And we, you know, we had uh, five uh, come forward, you know, at the jail ministry. And, uh, you know, we was in the nursing home and, uh, you know, we, we, we had three that came forward there. And, uh, you know, God's doing a work. No, I'm talking about in the church that you're at. And the Bible says, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. We ought to be reproducing, but we're not reproducing because God, the judgment of God is falling upon the church. Because of things that the people of God have allowed to go on in the church. He said up there, it's in my house. Folks, we can't do the work of God in the power of our own strength. I can't. There's nothing that Mike can do to convince one person that he's a sinner. It has to be the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is so grieved in the church today, that is the reason why we don't see the things that we're supposed to be seeing. I mean, the church, we ought to be reproducing here in, if ye abide me and I in you, ye shall bring forth much fruit. He didn't say the occasional one. You're going to reproduce. Fruit is, on a, on a tree, is it reproducing itself? And that's what we ought to be doing as a church. Now, I'm not saying that if you're living right with God, and all that kind of stuff that you're you're going to have a big mega church and you know what I mean? You're going to have. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. But there ought to be signs of life in the church. Because a tree that doesn't bear any fruit. Brother, it's dead. And that's exactly the state of the church today. It's dead. And like I said, I, I thank God that there is a remnant out there. God has reserved unto him. And you know what I mean? And you hear that from, at least I do, from missionaries and preachers that I know. Um, and from visiting around into, into other churches, you can go to some places and you know. I, I just visited one not too long ago up there in uh, uh, northern Alabama. I can't remember the town right now. Uh, but there's a pastor there in this little small town I'm talking about in the middle of nowhere, folks. And not that he's running, you know, I mean, uh, you know, 500 or whatever the case may be. But I mean, this this little church house, small. Uh, they had a revival meeting that was going on. Uh, I think Pastor uh, Tim Tim Delaney, uh, he was down there. He was the one preaching uh, the, the revival there. And uh, and 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 brother, I got, you know. A couple of us went together, a couple of people that I know, we all went together just to try to be a blessing. And brother, we were the one that got blessed. We walked in through those doors, man. And, uh, you know, uh, there, the, the pews were full. You could, 
You could tell the Spirit of God was moving. And we we were the one. I mean, it was funny that we went to go be a blessing and we got blessed. And that's the way things ought to be, folks. That's the way things ought to be in your church. See, God added unto them daily. Why isn't God adding to you? Why isn't God adding anybody to your church? That's the question that you have to be. Why aren't you producing personally outside of your church? Why aren't you producing? Because God is beginning to take some things away from us. The voice of the bridegroom. This right here. You think it's a coincidence that, you know, what, upwards of 300 perversions have, have come out since 1900? Listen to me. God said he's going to do that. I'm going to take away the voice of the bridegroom. Where is that? Right here. It's in this book. This is the voice of the bridegroom. And then he goes on to say, I'm going to take away the voice of the bride. Well, of course he is. Because if you don't have, if this isn't speaking, if this isn't leading, if this isn't what is the final authority, if we're making compromises and concessions based on the fact that we don't want to offend people, and based on the fact that, you know, uh, we care about uh, more about how much they make when we find out, oh, Oh, well, so-and-so and so-and-so. I mean, he owns his own business. Oh, he makes a so-and-so and so He makes that much. Well, we need that brother in the church. Matter of fact, we're going to make him the song leader. Or the associate pastor. No, that's not the qualification that God lays out in the word of God. You'd be better off without those people. And sticking by the book. But because concessions are being made, these people are being allowed to stay in the church. And like I said, God cannot fill the church with Isaacs for all the Ishmaels. And it's us that's allowing it to happen. We're the ones. We can't point the fingers at anyone else. You know, that's the one thing that I've noticed that every church that you go to, whether anything is, is happening there or not, whether the church is dead or whatever the case may be, uh, but it's always the church down the road that's Laodicean. It's never us. And that's the problem right there. The reason why we can't have revival, and I'm and, you know, you know, and I'm not even talking about citywide, nationwide revivals, revivals spreading from here to there. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is personally why we're not experiencing revival in ourselves is because we won't repent. We think the problem is with someone else. And the problem's not with someone else. Most likely the problem is you. And because we won't get down on our face and our hands and knees before God and repent. We got no chance of revivals breaking out in the communities that we're in. 
And I'm not talking about that garbage that's going on over there uh, in whatever college that is. I'm talking about true Holy Ghost conviction. I'm talking about people whose lives are transformed and they're being changed and conformed into the image of his son. That's the kind of revival I'm talking about. Don't you want to see people come to the saving knowledge of the truth? Don't it bless your heart to see people stand up there and talk about what the grace of God has done in their life and how they've been changed and how God is continuing to work in their life? Don't it bless you? Then we got we have to get back to the stuff. We have to get back to the foundation that built the independent Baptist movement. And what built it was separation from the world, was heeding to the scriptures, was letting it be the final authority. And it was built on the backs of preachers who had the guts to stand up in the pulpit and condemn sin. It's not built upon the, the backs of men who can stand behind the pulpit and come up with an alliterated outline for every verse of the Bible. There's nothing wrong with alliteration. I'm not preaching against that. What I'm saying is, is that we have to have men who have conviction about themselves. Listen to me. Opinions change but a conviction will stand firm. Before God got a hold of me, before I realized the error of my ways and what I was doing was wrong and the fact that I was sitting there doing nothing, not really, I didn't hold any, I had opinions. But when God got a hold of me, God put into me some convictions and he said, Mike, this is what the church needs. Men of conviction. True men of God, not hirelings. It needs men of God. It needs mighty men. Men who are willing to stand. And it needs women that are, are willing to stand by their side. But it's going gonna, it's it's gonna to take suffering some persecution. It's going to, because the, the establishment is not going to want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. But that's where the courage comes in. The courage comes in is regardless of whether or not they want to hear it or not, you say it anyway. And loving folks, listen to me, man, loving folks is not making light of sin. It's not glassing over it. It's pointing it out. And the reason you're pointing it out is not to stand in judgment of them. But it's because if, you, we, if we want to see the working of God, if we want to see people's lives changed and people come to the saving knowledge of the truth, you know, that's what Jesus did. Jesus, like I said, his life was pointing out the sin. 
He was pointing out the hypocrisy in these people. And everywhere he went, the power of the Holy Spirit was with him. He did everything he did in the fullness. Because God said he gave his spirit without measure unto him. And he didn't go around just going, well, God loves you. Bless your heart. No, he went around pointing out people's sin. The woman at the well, he pointed it out. You're an adulterer. The rich young ruler, he pointed it out. You're covetous. The self-righteous Pharisees and the Sermon on the Mount, you, you say, we've done all this? What did he do? He pointed it out. He said, no, you're not keeping the commandments. You're teaching and following the traditions of men. Now, are we going to follow the traditions of men or are we going to follow God? That's what it really all boils down to. And I'm telling you, folks, if you don't look around and God's judgment is falling upon the church. We can stem the tide of apostasy. We can do that. But in order to do it, we're going to have to get right with God. Each and every one of us, personally, you're going to have to do business with God. And you're going to have to say, God, no more. No more. I'm not going to sit idly by and, and watch these men who we know you didn't send destroy that which people have bled and died for over the years. So, Anyways, I'm going to go ahead and end it, the podcast right there, this, this session. And, um, you know, um, I just pray. And, you know, and, you know, I know this wasn't the flat, most flattering podcast. This is not the most uh, flattering subject to, to begin a podcast with, um, you know, and I know that I'm probably not going to uh, make many friends with this podcast, but it's true. And I don't care what anyone wants to say about it, it's Bible. And God is judging his church. And God is holding the men in charge accountable. And he's telling you, I didn't send them. They're speaking a message of their own heart. And what we've got to do, the true children of God, is we've got to band together. And we've got to take a stand and I believe if we do that, God is obliged to bless that. I believe if we do what, what we're supposed to do according to this book, God becomes obligated to bless it. So um, the next podcast coming up, like I said, I'm hoping to have a guest uh a uh, speaker with me. He's a pastor of a, a, of a church, uh, someone that I know. And um, hopefully what we're going to do on this next podcast is, um, you know, we're going to speak a little bit about trying to reach others for Christ. And, um, you know, because 
that's really what I'd like to do. You know what I mean? I want to encourage folks, you know what I mean? And I, I know that, like I said, that this message wasn't the, uh, you know, most flattering, uh, but you know, the, the Bible t- tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for rebuke, for instruction in righteousness. So uh, sometimes that's what we need. You know, we need, we need a good rebuking. We, uh, Sometimes we need to be exhorted. I know that. Um, but sometimes we need to be told what we're doing wrong. And like I said, God, as I've admitted to you, God preached this to me. And I know a lot of preachers say that, but it is very true. God preached this to me sitting in the church pew. And I sat there for 10 years before I finally decided that's it. I'm just going to obey God and I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. You know, and um, so anyways, hopefully this next podcast, uh, you know, maybe I'll be sending an email out here. If you, like I said, go to my website, www.thebiblebeliever.ab1611.com. If you subscribe there, you'll get on the email list. And like I said, I don't send you a thousand emails. It's just going to be once a week and it'll be just basically topics uh, that we're going to be covering. And if you've got an idea. Uh, maybe you've got a topic that you want to hear, um, you know, uh, presented on the podcast or you would like to be part of the podcast. Like I say, just shoot me an email and, um, you know, and and uh, and, you know, and we'll make it happen. You know, Lord willing, we'll make it happen. And uh, because, like I said, this is not about me. Uh, this is about the body of Christ. And I'm hoping that I can reach out to some of the others that I've been talking about and that together you know, we can get together, we can pray, and we can influence the churches in which we are and uh, and the communities in which we live, and we can honestly do something for the glory of God. Um, and like I say, I know there are churches out there, thank God for them. I know they're doing a work for God, and uh, I just want them to know that I'm praying for you guys all the time. I do. I pray that the Lord uh, give you a special blessing, give you grace. Uh, give you the courage that's necessary uh, to do what you're doing each and every day because it's not easy. It takes courage to stand for truth. It takes the willingness to be persecuted for what you you believe. And as long as your beliefs are based on this book, then you're in the right. And so, um, so I know it takes courage to stand and I know that you need prayer to do that. We all do. We need prayer to be able to stand, pray one for another, pray for me, uh, um, you know, for this podcast, you know, that, uh, and, uh, you know, I just encourage everyone. And, uh, I just want to tell you all, I really do love you. You know, I don't know you, but if you're my brother and sister in Christ, I love you. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, I just look forward to what God is going to do with this podcast. And uh, so with that said, uh, we'll see you next time right here um, on, uh, you know, this podcast. And I hope that, uh, you know, you'll take time to go subscribe and join together with me. All right. Uh, We love you. We talk to you later. Um, I pray that the Lord be with you. To God be the glory. That's my little phrase I like to use. I get it from uh, Fanny J. Crosby. Uh, She's my favorite hymn writer. Uh, But uh, to God be the glory.